Hey there, friends of the Pregnancy Resource Center. Valerie Millsaps, Executive Director here, coming to you with the Armored Truth Podcast, where we will talk about standing on solid ground as leaders in our community that surround the issues of the sanctity of life and talk about a hard subject, abortion. So as we pray on our armor each and every day, how can we do that in a loving, truthful way as we continue to deal with an aggressive enemy and use what God has equipped each and every one of us to use? Armor Truth will be a place to empower you, to encourage you, and to equip you each and every week to speak for those that have no voice. We are so glad you're here with us. So welcome to another episode of Armored Truth. It is my honor to welcome a sweet friend that I just connected with this past weekend. So I'm sitting in the middle of a pro-life women's conference and I see a beautiful panel of amazing women sharing their story uh, about abortion loss. And I zoomed in on Deanna and I thought I have to talk with her. Not only was uh, she kind of Disney crazy like our family, uh, but she has a different perspective that I think so many people need to hear, and especially so many people are not willing to talk about uh, abortion, abortion loss, and how that affects our, our communities, our world, and how we can come together and overcome this huge battle uh, surrounding abortion and how we can win and have those conversations. So, Deanna Falchuk, I am so glad to welcome you on today's Armor Truth podcast. I'll kind of let you take it away and kind of share a little bit of your story. Thank you, Valerie, for having me. I'm really excited to share my story with you. Um, Although, you know, it's Sometimes it's hard, but I just, you know, God has really called me into this area of sharing in order for other women to kind of get the perspective and find their freedom. So, you know, just to kind of go back and to share a little bit of my story, I, you know, I, I ended up, um, I was a Disney princess at one point. In other words, I ended up getting a job as a singer in a group called Kids of the Kingdom at Disney World. And I wasn't a full-out princess. I wasn't dressed up like the princess all the time, but I was recording her voice a lot in um, the studio um, and also like Sleeping Beauty and that type of thing. And then on stage, I would I would play, I would sing her parts and all of that. Um, it was really a coveted job. I was only 18. And going back prior to that, because this is what really framed my abortion decision, was, you know, I grew up with some amazing women. I was the youngest of four girls. My mother was divorced and a single mom um, by the time I was nine. And so I was around all these amazing women, but my older, my my grandmother's sisters always had the same kind of message to me. And they weren't bad women. They were beautiful, awesome women. But they would ask me things like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would say, I want to be a mother. And the message was always like, wait, you know, you can be anything you want. Why would you want to be a mother? And, you know, you have to do something amazing first. That was the message that I always got, you know. Well, I love to sing. So eventually, um, 
you know, I just kept singing and I figured that I had to do something else that was amazing first before I could really, you know, fulfill my dream of being a mother. So when I got the job at 18, you know, what a great accomplishment because they had, you know, auditioned like 5,000 people from around the world. Um, they only hired five girls and five guys for this kind of maybe a little bit older version of the Mouseketeers, for lack of a better way of putting it. And it was so fun. Well, I met this guy. I was really kind of lost, and I ended up getting pregnant. And, you know, it was devastating. I didn't tell anybody but him, but I decided to have an abortion. And at the time, I didn't see an ultrasound. I, they, I, I actually asked for counseling, but the counseling was something like, something like, you know, here's a brochure. When can you schedule your abortion? And even listening, Valerie, on the panel this past weekend, that's what they say. They say their counseling sessions are not really counseling sessions. It's really intake. They're taking your information for scheduling the abortion. So that's kind of what happened. And then I went in on a Friday to have this abortion. I, I figured, I don't know, I sort of, I, I, it was just a weird oppressive, it was a spiritual warfare. I just felt such oppression, you know? Um, and then I ended up having abortion and I was shocked to find out that I immediately felt so devastated. There was like a second where I sort of felt relief and then I got home and it was like, wait, what in the world happened? You know? And then I started to cry and I was just kind of curled up in a ball the entire weekend. And then I had to get back up dress up, sing songs about dreams coming true, happy places that you can be anything you want to be if you just believe. And I kept on like this. This was on Monday. And I kept performing, but I was having such a hard time, you know, even dancing and singing and being happy and feigning this that I wasn't grieving. And so I, I just didn't even know how to deal with it because I didn't have anybody to talk to. And when I called back into the office, there's just like, I mean, there's really no, I didn't even have any kind of follow-up. It was just, you know, here, take a couple of antibiotics or whatever they give you, you know, and, you know, you'll be fine. And so after about a year of trying to perform, trying to stay happy, trying to continue what I was doing, I ended up breaking up with the guy that I was trying to keep. Um, by having the abortion and I left my dream job because I, what I really needed was just a break to rep, to figure this out. Right. But I didn't tell anybody and I didn't want to tell anybody because of all of the shame. So I ended up quitting that job and then I was just devastated as I was leaving the park, you know, I'd done all of these recordings, you know, here I'm this 18 year old girl, with really not any support system there to really help me with any of that. And I didn't want to let my family in because they were more pro-choice. I knew that they were, they would say I made the right decision. And it was just like, I needed something else. Right. So I, I was leaving the park and I heard, it was like around new year's. And I remember hearing my voice coming out all around the park with like 60,000 people staring at the stage and somebody dressed up as Cinderella singing with my voice coming out. And it was so surreal because I was broken, you know, and I'm hearing this, my voice, you know, and then, um, after that, I ended up just wanting to die, 
and when I got to this place of feeling like I wanted to kill myself, which by the way was not in my character, I was always very cheerful, never before this experience would I think I would ever get to that point, but that's how I felt. And then I remember my, um, my mother called me, and this was very, this was the thing, she called me just to check in on me, and I realized that I couldn't kill myself because I would be destroying her. She had gone through a lot in her life. She had four daughters. She adored me, loved me deep and deeply. Um, and so I just gave my life to the Lord. I just was like, I don't know what this is. You know, please help me. Um, and then from there, it was sort of like I knew that God forgave me, but I didn't really walk in that forgiveness. Like, I still didn't. I just, I, I just was not feeling like I was thriving, but then a couple of years later, I met my husband, my now husband, and we got married, and I told him everything, and then a couple of years later, we had our daughter, Samantha, and when she was born, I just felt like I could breathe again. It was just like this amazing thing, and then a few years after, she was about five, and we went to Disney World for the first time ever, and I remember holding her hand, walking down the streets of Main Street, looking at that castle, feeling like a totally new woman, and I was okay with being there. I felt a lot of joy. I felt a lot of peace. They were still using some repeat, and then um, that was when I conceived my son. So I was there for just a short amount of time, and I conceived my son. And then I was like, God, you are blessing me so much. From there, a few years later, we really felt called to adopt. So, you know, we adopted a little girl from Guatemala. Then we went on and adopted three kids from Ethiopia. And then we adopted another child from Ukraine. And so now we have seven kids and a son-in-law, because my oldest daughter is married. And we moved to be right by Disney World. We live right in Orlando with a shuttle to Disney World. And I go into the parks and I pray. And what God has done now is focused, um, you know, I've always had this, you know, Valerie, you talk about it, like this Cinderella, for example, has been really key, like this coming out of the ashes into the sparkles, and there I was singing her, right, Mm -hmm. and that message is so deep that the Lord reignited that, and I'm writing content regarding, like, um, what it really means to, you know, to be to be um, an empowered woman. And then, so I was working on that. And then last year, Planned Parenthood tweeted, they tweeted out, we need a Disney princess who's had an abortion. And um, I hadn't really been, for a while, I'd just been kind of um, more introspective with my uh, post-abortion and pro-life writings. I was getting ready to kind of come back out with a lot of stuff. Um, But I had to respond and I said, I was a Disney princess who had an abortion, and I regret it, right? So I sent that, that content out and went viral, and it basically birthed a ministry because people like yourself and other, a lot of pro-life women were just, wait a second, you know, when you start talking about our princesses, you know, you and talk about really wanting to create an abortion narrative for four-year-old girls or little girls, you're really going low. So I created a group called Pro-Life Princesses, which anybody can really join online. 
um, on Facebook. And I think what we've really learned and going back, if I really start to evaluate my life, you know, when I was a little girl, four years old, I wanted to be a mother. And I was told, wait, you can do anything you want. And that led to my abortion decision. And so I guess when Planned Parenthood said we need a Disney princess who's had an abortion, and I realized that they're trying to create that narrative, I realized that that was me. I was that little girl. Like, I was that little girl that got that message. Because the message that I got from my great aunts and my grandmother and all that was really... It's, it wasn't even their original thought. It was that Margaret Sanger had, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood, if you read her writings, it was like, let them think it's their own idea to make a decision. Let them know, like, there should be a baby code and a parent code, that people only have babies when they're so old, when they only have this in order, when they have that in order. So all of these things that they were talking to me about actually came from Planned Parenthood. So there I was. In 2018 and all of a sudden wow you know Planned Parenthood is still at it and so here I am now advocating writing a lot of content I mean, I've got a book that I'm writing called the Cinderella mindset that is um, really about my insight as a post-abortive pro-life princess as to who Cinderella was sorry I thought I turned off my notification um, and it's, it's going to be really fun and I get to write blog posts Kind of taking political commentary, but into these, you know, into more like princess stories. I'm writing a book um, of all pro-life princess fairy tales, like new ones, and I'm fashioning them after, you know, pro-life women that I know that are advocates, like Morgan Hill. She told her story about, you know, being an abandoned baby in um, a garbage bag, basically. I'm going to kind of honor her with a princess story. Abby Johnson, some other, you know, so that's what I'm doing. So God takes our worst times and moves them into something beautiful. And, you know, uh, Pat Layton on the panel said, she, she quoted Revelation 12, where we talked about the power of our testimony, and that's how we're really going to defeat evil, right? So the, there's not all, pro, not all post-abortive women want to speak their story, but I can tell you from my personal experience, this is how we, you know, find our own healing, and it's also how we help others to heal. So I encourage people to share and to break. Basically, I always I call it a contract. You make a contract with yourself. I'll never tell my story, right? But you have to tell your story at least to somebody or to write it down in order to be fully healed so you can help others avoid making the same mistake. That is so good. And why do you think, you know, I I imagine when I was there at the conference this weekend, you know, my heart, because I go into a lot of churches and speak on the behalf of our pregnancy center, my heart goes to these women, and of course men too, but all over that are sitting in our pews that are just wounded. And why would you encourage people to have that conversation why is healing important do you think to actually say something yeah. finally i think i think women don't realize all of the effects that have come, that come from their abortion and um like it's not uncommon for women to have problems connecting to other people after their abortion or especially children that they have 
it's not uncommon for women to kind of have issues with relationships, either to be extremely promiscuous or just, you know, frozen, like un unable to be touched. Um, it's not uncommon for, for women to kind of either dive so passionately into their career because, like me, you know, you're trying to get everything done so you can move on to another place. Like, there's all these distractions. Not to mention that there are studies that, that mention, um, you know, this, this phytoestrogen effect that happens um, with women who have had abortions that they may be more likely to have breast cancer. Um, there is a higher suicide rate. There, there's all of this stuff that when you really think about it, it's like, wow, I didn't know that was what was the problem. And then in addition, what they might, might start noticing, and this is just something that I've observed, is that you, it's really, it's, 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 it's just it's the spiritual, um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm strongly connected to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and that's, that's where I'm at, and I just believe that when you, you are forgiven and loved and set free, but it's about co-laboring with God and allowing the Lord in to truly break that open. And so what happens when you're not doing that, you start noticing you're trying to do things in your own flesh to get things done, right? And mm -hmm. the, that abortion spirit is still there. It's like certain things keep getting cut off. Um, for example, I, I noticed a pattern with me for a while. It's like starting a business. Why is that stopping? Why is that not getting off the ground? You know, um, just projects. You know, I get so far and then that doesn't happen. People have told these stories of like, working so hard and they knew they were going to get the promotion but that was cut off and I know that it sounds silly but it really is true that these things that happen um, can be connected to your abortion and so for me I just really believe that the woman just deserves to truly be healed and I the way it worked for me is that I wasn't going to tell anybody and I sat down to write a book about adoption and the Lord spoke to me in prayer and said, you have to tell your whole story. And then as I told the whole story, I realized that, wow, like this is definitely cathartic. And then I reached out to Forgiven and Set Free, which you can find in your, you know, care, you know, your pregnancy clinics. And then there's other ones, you know, like uh, Surrendering the Secret and it's just all kinds of um, different healing programs that are amazing that are out there. And so I went through that. And then the first time I was going to tell my testimony in church was a Sunday. Saturday, I went to an abortion clinic to pray. And I showed up, and there was a, a Hispanic couple. And I can't really speak Spanish very well, but nobody could speak it, like, at all. And so the first time I told my testimony to a stranger was in bad Spanish to a couple who wanted to have an abortion. They went in the clinic, they came back, and they said they were going to choose life. And I learned at that point that my bad testimony in Spanish, where I don't even know if they, I know if they could see my heart when I spoke it, and I know they understood some of the words, but they changed their mind. And that was my first experience telling my story to somebody who was not in my family. Because I, after I finally ended up coming out, you know, I ended up telling my family first. And then as far as the churches are concerned, they say that, I mean, there's such a huge percentage of women who have had abortions, but they're still in shame. They don't want to mention anything to anybody. Um, the pastors are in denial. They don't believe that anybody in their church has had an abortion. They don't want to talk about it because they think it's a political issue because they know in many of the churches they'll have lots of pro-choice people. And the problem is that when they don't 
speak about abortion, in my opinion, and I know this may seem strong, but they are basically partnering with, um, you know, with pushing women into abortion because my experience, 14 years old, I had been in church every, twice a week, twice a week. They never mentioned anything about abortion, what you should do, what you could do, um, where you could go if you got pregnant, you know, why you should choose abortion. There was none of that. So just four years later, I had an abortion. So I really believe when you have your youth and you have people there as the body of Christ, you have a responsibility to share with people that the Bible says, yes, I set before you blessings and curses, life and death. And then God says, choose life. Like he tells you what to do. And so, you know, what I know is that, you know, if you choose life, um, every woman I know who's been young in some difficult situations, older, whatever, when they've chosen life, they don't regret it. Women who have even been healed from abortion, you're healed from it, but there's always that thing that you can't reverse. You cannot bring that child back. Mm -hmm. You know, and so we have what God has shown me is a remnant. It's like a remnant of struggle and you know, a little bit that's still there of just desiring that different decision and desiring that child here in the earth, even though you know that, you know, you've dedicated that child to, to Jesus. But it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's moving forward in the process, communicating with people and going to people like yourself and knowing that they can help. Definitely. And even when I share in churches, that is such, I mean, you can talk about the people choosing life, but then you're doing a disservice to people that are sitting there wounded, uh, and our hearts go out to them. They need to know where they can connect. So totally, I, I think a great revival is is in the waiting for our churches. Once, I, you know, and Satan knows that he knows, and he he lo- would love nothing more to keep everyone chained by their past. And once those break free, I mean, that is just a and I can see just an amazing revival taking place in our churches where men and women are no longer wounded and chained by their past of abortion. So you mentioned that you live right close to Disney. So we'll have to send you a high five uh, when we drive down and go uh, soon. We're taking a couple trips this year. Uh, so okay, you have to call me. Uh, yes, call definitely. Me we... You know, recently, the a Disney, I think it was the CEO, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, Bob Iger. spoke out and was for abortion. So you had all these people rising up like, boycott Disney, boycott all this. Uh, give me your feedback about that of, you know, you have so many people that are fleeing and not going, uh, but we just got back. A um, couple weeks ago, we were there at Disney, and you, what I saw, you know, it wasn't conversations about the CEO and what he said. It was families. It was, uh, you see, women that were pregnant. You saw all just walks of life celebrating this wonderful time down there with their families. And, you know, and that's the way it, it should continue to be. So give me your opinions about that. Yeah, so Bob Iger, you know, was really upset with, uh, and he is, he is um, 
in charge of Disney, basically, all of the business. So he made a comment about Georgia and Alabama and Missouri or whatever, and he said he wasn't going to be filming in Georgia. And here's the thing. I, I do, I, you know, I believe we should be upset, and we should keep our eyes open for these things as the pro-life community. And, but my take on this is, like you said, I believe at the heart and core of the Disney messaging, it's really, it's, it, you know, it is kind of smoke and mirrors. It's just a fake kingdom, right? But when you really get down to it, it's, it's about this, you know, Christ message. And I really believe that. Granted, they don't come out and necessarily say it, but oftentimes, I mean, Jesus even had to speak in parables to people so that they would grasp it. And that's what I'm writing. I'm writing these stories that are Christian-based but aren't necessarily overtly in your face. And I think that the stories and the messaging at Disney, people feel that. I do believe that Walt would not have liked them getting political like this at all, Walt Disney. But so the question really, Valerie, is like, do we boycott certain things? I mean, I boycott certain things. I just believe also, though, that we change culture by not just running from it and letting, you know, the negativity and the false, um, I mean, this is just a lie, like the evil, you know, basically flourish. We go in there and we speak out about the truth. And so that's what I'm doing. And that's what a lot of my friends like yourself and the people who are like, well, wait, let's go in there and really talk about it. I mean, if we just allow them to, let's say, write their pro-choice, you know, future Disney fairy tales and, or, you know, how about we write new ones? You know, how about we battle culture with culture rather than just saying, oh, I'm so upset and posturing ourselves rather than getting involved. So my dream would be to get us involved and to keep writing so that eventually we have favor with Disney so that if they're listening to all the pro-choice rhetoric, they also will start to see that we're a force. You know, our pro-life community is a force and that their content needs to respect us as well. Because at the end of the day, it's the bottom line. It's like, it's about money, right? So that's why people want to boycott because they're saying, we're going to leave so that they don't make as much money. How about we talk to them about really the truth that like more people are watching like pro-life movies now, even like Abby's movie, Abby Johnson's movie didn't even have the promotion it should have and was a huge success, right? We have, you know, half of the country at least claiming to be pro-life. I mean, if we start to at least get involved in working with them rather than running scared, you know, that I believe, that's my opinion, that that's how we win. So the other thing is that, you know, I go there and I pray. Like, pray for the corporation. I mean, I literally pray for, for Disney. I walk around the castle. It's one of the reasons I'm here. I feel like God brought me back. I mean, think about it. Here we are. I, I mean, the, the blood of my first child, I, I mean, I didn't shed the blood necessarily at the castle, but I was there performing shortly after I lost my child. And now I'm here with this redemption story as a mother of seven children. And that speaks volumes. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, I believe that I'm called, I, that God called me back here. I didn't necessarily want to come to Orlando. I just felt a strong pull to be here during this time. And it's so interesting then that I was here when that article and the, you know, the Planned Parenthood saying this and Bob Iger saying that. And, you know, the pro-life community loves princesses. They love the stories of 
you know, being daughters of the king and, you know, our prince and our king. This is God, right? So, but not everybody understands our Christian and um, the, the way that we present it. So I just believe that we have to fight <laughs> fight the bad ideas of fairy tales with the good good fairy tales and let's, you know, let's refashion this and, and get into culture. I'm very into the pro-life community, you know, whether it's, you know, using social media like, you know, you are now or, um, you know, writing books, you know, drawing pictures, creating music, like we're going to only win this through media. And so if we just constantly be like, I don't think they're going to get enough people to boycott Disney in order to make the, um, you know, their point known. So because of that, I would rather go in and pray and fight it in another way. And I'm going to, and I mentioned to you, you know, before we were even on that, it's sort of like, you know, what do missionaries do? They go into areas where people haven't heard of Jesus. Maybe they're like cannibals. Maybe they're doing things that are awful. And they go into these areas to teach them the gospel. And in our Western world, there are many situations like that. We need to remember that we are called to be the hands and feet. So what are we going to do? So I, I've been called to a great mission field. And um, it's actually really fun. It's called Disney World. <laughs> and... Um, that's where I'm at, and but that's my that's my viewpoint. I mean, but I also want to honor the people who really feel like, wait, they said he said that, then I'm just gonna, you know, I, I understand where they're coming from. I just don't um, feel like in this particular case the boycott's gonna work. Right. Like we said earlier, you have to engage the culture and be able to yeah. have those conversations, and I love that. Uh, we did. We went on a mission trip to Southeast Asia over Christmas, and you know everything that surrounds Southeast Asia is dangerous. But we wanted to engage culture and to be able to go and maybe reach that one, and and we definitely were able to do that and many more. But we have to be willing to step outside our comfort zone, and I love that you're doing that and sharing your beautiful mess uh, as his message, and. Uh, and as a Disney princess, uh, no doubt. Uh, so I thank you for uh, just chiming in today. And, and that's the whole heart around the Armored Truth podcast. We just want to encourage and to equip our community to really engage and have those conversations. So thank you for being on today. A pleasure. So fun. Thank you for listening to Armored Truth Podcast. For more information on this podcast or show notes, you can visit us at armoredwithtruth.com. You'll be directed to our blog section to listen to more or past episodes. You can also connect with us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also visit the main website at youmakeherbrave.com where you can take being not only a hearer, but also being a hearer and a doer. You can learn about being a volunteer, be a monthly partner. $30 a month saves one life from abortion and helps us walk side by side with that new brave family. So again, thanks for tuning in. See you next week on Armored Truth.